You're listening to The Florida Man Murders, a true crime comedy podcast about murder, madness, mayhem, and other shady shit that goes down in the Sunshine State. Each week, your hosts, Chris, Roger, and Siege, take you on a dark, twisted journey through the bowels of the most wretched fiends and nefarious events throughout the history of Florida, and then make inane, quote-unquote, funny observations about it all, like the half-soused nitwits that they are. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the crazy, if you dare. Was it? I was, I was telling you guys about my day and my, and my like forty eight hours of comedy. So I was doing like uh, adjudicating for Miami Dade schools and Florida thespians and stuff like that today. Like a lot of uh, comedic improvising and acting and sketch shows type yeah. stuff. And we have listeners. Oh, that we have podcast listeners high school kids down in. District 4 and District 8, and I wanted to give them a shout-out before nice. we started because it was really cool to find out that they were District 4 so. and District 8, what's up? Rise up. Love you. That's love right. You. Nothing love but you love. Much. Mad love. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck them kids. <laughs> I had some chicken the other night, and it was not good, man. Not good. And I felt it almost instantly. Like I went to bed that night and uh, I woke up and just a lot of bad things happened. And it's only today that I'm kind of semi back to normal. 48 hours later. It's crazy. It didn't affect anyone else? It did affect uh, my wife a little bit. The kids uh, abstained from it, which was smart on their part and thankful. <laughs> Um, but I was the one that indulged fully and had three pieces <laughs> to, to the dome and, uh, I, I paid the price <laughs> in, in every way. So the total update is Roger's family has new assholes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All fresh new assholes gleaming. Congratulations guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. You know, Ooh. we're better now. <sighs> we're better. And on that note, happy Thanksgiving to all happy our listeners. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> this is the Thanksgiving episode. It was violent. It was violent. <laughs> <laughs> all right, on to, on to the more important matters. <laughs> Speaking of violence, murder. Yeah, oh, murder. All right. So here we go. Dateline, December... 1835, Bushnell, Florida. Okay. Whoa. Yes, sir. Taking it back. This is our Thanksgiving episode, so it'll be Thanksgiving-y themed, I guess. In mid-February of 1836, seven companies under the command of Captain Francis S. Belton marched across the Fort King Road a 20-foot wide path that ran through the Florida wilderness. So basically all of Florida back then. Uh, you know, I've, I've taken to, uh, to pulling up maps now, just to know, because this is, this, looks, this is a deep cut. This is a deep cut here. Bushnell. Fuck, Fort, fuck well, it's Fort King Road is the name of the path that they were marching on. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm not even joking. Like, I'm looking on Google Maps. And there's a little like side town next to Bushnell called Kroom Acoochee. Nice. And well, it's I just went. I just went to type in Bushnell, and it came up with Bryce Dallas Howard's butt. Ah, so, wow, very yeah, sexy. That's, these that's an ample. That's an ample city. Big city. Right in my, right in my style. Poggy, <laughs> very poggy. Well, that's where they were marching. They were marching to her ass. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thanks, Bryce. We love you. Sponsor us. Yeah, sorry. Um, okay. Yeah, so Belton and his men were searching for Brevet Major Francis L. Dade. Oh, here we go. And 110 of his inf- infantrymen. Hmm. What they found in the clearing beyond the swamp in the woods was a gruesome sight. They were rotting corpses strewn about the wilderness everywhere. Most of the bodies were discovered behind an unfinished barricade that had been hastily built with tree trunks. Belton's second lieutenant, James Duncan, described the scene in a letter to a classmate at West Point. Quote, The first indications of our proximity to them were soldiers' shoes and clothing. Soon after, a skeleton. Then another. Then another. Soon we came upon the scene in all its horrors. Gracious God, what a sight! The vultures rose in clouds as the approach of the column drove them from their prey. The very breastwork was black with them. Some hovered over us as we looked upon the scene before us, whilst others settled upon the adjoining trees waiting for our departure in order to return to their prey. The smell was appalling. <laughs> all, these, <laughs> all these Civil War era dudes, like, they, just, they write with such, like, such dramatic eloquence. <laughs> so, Fucking great. So the men walked among the bodies, attempting to uh, identify the dead. Though little more than skeletons were left of some, with others, quote, the flesh had shrunk, but the skin remained whole, dried, smooth, and hard. One man was recognized by a gold filling in his mouth, another by the gray in his hair, and another by his size. Captain Belton recognized one man by a pocket pistol still on the body. Another man was recognized by his beard. The company surgeon cautiously searched the dead man's pockets and found a silk handkerchief and some letters. He took a lock of the man's hair and removed his red leather money belt. Fancy. <laughs> Said the surgeon in a letter, the clothing was more entire as well as the bodies than expected. Many skulls were broken in, and the greater number lay supine. The limbs stretched apart, marking the agony with which life ceased. <laughs> this, is a guy, this guy took the lock of a dead man's hair and then took his money. This is a yeah. Yeah. doctor. Essentially, yeah. Like Dr. Oz. Over but here. but he, the way he presented it. Right <laughs> yeah. it's, it sounded old. like the <laughs> noble thing to do. <laughs> he suffered in death, so I took his money. Yeah. I will assuredly give you... Pass this on to your next of kin. <laughs> While he puts it away. <laughs> While I put it in my wallet. I need a new pocket watch. <laughs> um, 250 yards beyond the barricade, Belton came to another cluster of bodies. He described them as stricken down as if one blow had been death to all, and that blow a bolt from heaven. Oh. Among the dead was the leader of the 110 men, Brevet Major Francis L. Dade. So Francis Langhorn Dade was a major in the U.S. Army 4th Infantry Regiment. He commanded the United States Army base at Key West. He He was a descendant from rich English settlers. He was also very horny. Yes! (laughs) Horny and Key West goes hand in hand. Dade was given the title Brevet, (laughs) added to his rank of Major, because of his, quote, gallantry and courageous behavior in battle, and his polite attention given to women. (laughs) What the fuck is a Brevet? Brevet is like, almost like a knight. Major Brevet. A gallant man who knows how to fight and fuck. (laughs) Jesus. Um... Major Dade was said to have carried on the cavalier tradition of gallantry. Like I said, basically drinking and fucking lots of women, and when he wasn't doing either of those things, he was soldiering. He sounds like Florida in a fucking nutshell. <laughs> he was, yeah, it's like Game of Thrones, Florida edition. <laughs> lots of butt sex. Yeah. Only from behind shall I <laughs> the carnal connection. 
He was very well versed in the social graces of the day and regarded as having, quote, perfect courage. Soon Dade built a reputation for, for protecting white people, particularly white women, from Indians and blacks. He should. <laughs> um, one woman Francis Dade was fucking uh, wrote a letter to a friend boasting of his exploits. Quote, Major Dade, for his known prudence and gallantry, had been placed by General Clinch in charge of the Middle District of Florida Territory and the protection of its inhabitants. One evening, in a dinner party in Tallahassee, was interrupted by the rolling wheels and gallop of horses. He was an arrival, turning pleasing conviviality into a state of nervous trepidation. Oh. Major Dade appeared on the porch as the dinner party went out to see who had come. He was covered with dirt from head to foot, and his beard had not been shaven for several days, though he was accompanied by two young ladies. News had reached him that the Indians had murdered a family. Major Dade had followed in hot pursuit and captured the Indians. That was like one of those books with Fabio on the cover. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Major Dade, arm in arm with the two women, said, quote, I found these ladies very much alarmed, and though I think all the danger is over for the presence, I persuaded them to let me escort them to the capital. The guy fucks. The guy fucks. (laughs) Dade fucks. That's going to be a t-shirt. Dade fucks. Guys, let's make that a shirt. Dade fucks. (laughs) (laughs) So, before becoming a state, Florida was known for being a refuge for runaway slaves. Uh, Slaves who managed to escape their plantation could find freedom either in Canada, Mexico, or Florida. And most of the slaves that escaped from plantations in Alabama and Georgia ended up in Spanish Florida. But in 1821, the U.S. acquired Florida from Spain. And the official line from the federal government at the time was that Florida would no longer be a haven for escaped slaves. Quote, a trap door in the bottom of the nation, though which they could drop out of Alabama and Georgia. So following that decree, escaped slaves started to be taken in by Seminole tribes across the state. Among the Seminoles, they were scattered, absorbed, and difficult to find. The slaves were. Uh, but to those white folks who owned them, slaves were a uh, capital investment. And uh, so this became a problem for uh, this great country of ours. <clears throat> <clears throat> Not my country. (laughs) So then on May 28th, 1830, the Indian Removal Act was signed into law by Old Hickory himself, President Andrew Jackson. Fuck off, Andrew Jackson. (laughs) Piece of shit. (laughs) Your stupid hair. Indians from (laughs) from at least 18 tribes were forced to move west of the Mississippi. And in case anyone out there was not aware and why you guys are hearing Roger and Siege curse out Andrew Jackson, it was because Andrew Jackson really, really, really hated Native Americans. Uh, In a speech about American Indians, Jackson said, quote, they have neither the intelligence, the industry, the moral habits, nor the desire of improvement, which are essential to any favorable charge in our condition." Established in the midst of another and superior race, and without appreciating the cause of their inferiority or seeking to control them, they must necessarily yield to the force of circumstances and long disappear. How about you suck my big white dick? <laughs> I say, sir, that is offense. Though it is white, so I may consider <laughs> However, right. your cock is white and uh, therefore very pleasing to me. <laughs> <laughs> the hue of your cock is my preferred <laughs> pigmentation, so I'll consider it. Perhaps in a city named after me within the great state of Florida, an entire giant city of shit called Jacksonville. It Sorry. is a superior cock, sir. I have been told that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Jackson and other ladies have said the same. Um, so one account of uh, these removal of the Indians happened in Pine Ridge, South Dakota, as an example. 
some federal troops surrounded a tribe of Indians, and the soldiers ordered the Indians out of their own land. When the Indians refused to leave, the soldiers cut the Indians down with Hotchkins guns, which is like a rotating cannon on wheels, like one of the first machine guns, basically. Oh, those fucking things that they, like, rotate like they're, like, shredding cheese. Yeah, like it spins clockwork and it just oh. goes off. Yeah, and the Indians were, like, in a ridge, so they were basically had the lowlands and the guys had, you know, the soldiers were above them. And they let loose with these cannons <clears throat> and they killed over 300 men, women, and children. And those that survived would be placed in reservations where they would live in poverty. This is how the uh, Indian Removal Act was enforced. Um, Again, I'd just like to be on the record as saying, fuck you, Andrew Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Quick re- reiteration. As for Florida, Andrew Jackson encouraged white squatters to invade Indian lands and make their homes there. And so when the Seminoles would complain to the government that white people had taken their homes, their literal homes, Jackson's reply was, quote, The tract you have ceded will soon be surveyed and sold, and immediately afterwards you will be occupied by a white population. You will soon be in a state of starvation. So it's basically just saying we can't do anything about it. So it's maybe if you just left or, you know, face being wiped out. Yeah, you can't like huh, that land that uh, we just stole from you, your house that you literally just got, you know, kicked out of. We can't do anything about it. And we're going to mark it up and sell it. Right. Yeah. If I can squatter, totally squatting it. Yeah. Uh, so Jackson, he was a. Big fan of our guy, Francis Day. Um, loved Francis Day. Loved his dick. He was a fine coxman. Um, <laughs> so I've been told. <laughs> uh, yeah, when Jackson was general in the U.S. Army, he assigned Day to work with Colonel Duncan Clinch in Florida and then made him a captain just as the War of 1812 started. Um, so... At the tail end of the end of the uh, War of 1812, sorry, uh, England, they turned a fort in northern Florida over to runaway slaves. Uh, Hell yeah. Yeah, they were losing the war, and then they're like, we have a lot of runaway slaves in Florida. Let's just give them a fort. And there they, they were armed. Uh, they were trained to fight and how to defend themselves. The fort would be named Negro Fort. <laughs> Well, hey, thanks for the thanks for the the fort, but uh, can we get a slightly better name? Fucking dicks, like a little more imagination, just a fucking inch more. Oh, Jesus, uh, what shall we call it? Why would they hide in a place called Negro Fort? We call it Negro Fort. There are nothing but Negroes there. They would never hide there. <laughs> oh, man. And they will have another fort. We have just Italians. We'll call it Guap Fort. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was just about to get back on England's side when they go and name I know, yeah. Like, what the fuck is <laughs> out there? Where, where shall Spick Fort go? <laughs> <laughs> That's further south, 90 miles away from Cuba. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Negro Fort <laughs> had about uh, 300 black fighters. Uh, these black fighters protected about a thousand others living in the area. And the fort became a magnet for runaway slaves from both the United States and Spanish Florida. You know, I typed, I typed Negro Fort into Google Maps. And your and came computer up with... shut down and <laughs> immediately. <laughs> it came... <laughs> Like, there's all sorts of other stuff, like Negro River and uh, Negro Mountain. Oh, boy. For what mm. Negro Fort came up with, it came up with, let me show this to you. You sure? Says, Negro Sports Bar. Ooh. What? Well, we got to hit that place up if we're allowed. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do Man. a live cast there. <laughs> God, it's like right here, too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's so, is it? Who owns it? All right. <laughs> I'm trying, yeah. So many questions. Uh, 
Ain't so many questions. Oh, Let's just leave that alone. <laughs> um, Is there a Yelp for it? How are the wings? Um, so anyway, the uh, Savannah Journal, the Savannah Journal, Savannah. Uh, wrote an editorial. And here's part of that editorial quote. It was not to be expected that an establishment so pernicious to the southern states... <laughs> Drink. Pernicious has been used. <laughs> Holding out to a part of their population temptations to insubordination would have been suffered to exist after the close of the war. In the course of the last winter, several slaves from this neighborhood fled to that fort. Others have lately gone from Tennessee and Mississippi territories. How long shall this evil requiring immediate remedy be permitted to exist. That's, uh, yeah. that's the editorial. It's, e- it's evil for a black man to run away from his master. Yeah, so so much outrage. He rhymed there in the middle. <laughs> that was ahead of his time. He was dropping he's, bars. He's rapping. <laughs> Temptations to insubordinations. Um, Sensation emanation. <laughs> Condemnation and it's fucking Eminem. <laughs> oh man! So Andrew Jackson ordered the fort captured, and in July of 1816, Colonel Duncan Clinch and his men, including Dade Francis, Francis Dade, um, they attacked the fort and killed most of the men in the garrison, and the survivors were returned to slavery. Francis Dade wrote about arriving in Florida to a friend, saying, quote, delightfully situated, possessing in great degree that most valuable of all blessings, health, spirits, and women. Man. So many of the soldiers looked at the Spaniards. Fucking as a, horny guy. <laughs> they looked at the uh, Spaniards as a threat, uh, but Dade found them to be, quote, polite and disposed to friendly and friendly towards us, a few weeks ago, the American officers held a ball, which I had the pleasure of seeing many beautiful Spanish damsels who were very affable and enticing. Could I have spoken their language, I should have fallen in love. <laughs> very horny. This is so the first horny. time to Miami? <clears throat> you, uh, Jesus. You would think, like, he wouldn't have time to be so racisty. <laughs> yeah. The horniness that is just oozing yeah. out of this his, guy. His I mean, getting in the way of his racism. He's got his face buried deep in Spanish ass. Stop, <laughs> stop hating Negroes and Native Americans, please. Uh, so, with the Indian Removal Act in full effect, President Jackson insisted that rather than sending black people west as property of the Seminoles, he made sure that when the Seminoles were sent into Indian territory, that the blacks that hung out with them would be detained in Florida. The Seminoles, knowing that blacks would be put back into bondage, were not fans of this plan. But the Seminole presence was no longer going to be tolerated. Jackson's idea to have the Seminoles leave Florida and leave the blacks behind was put into something called the Treaty of Payne's Landing. The the Seminoles are told to sign the treaty or face consequences. Now, ten years before this treaty was written, the U.S. government had signed an agreement with the Seminoles that they could stay in central Florida after the state was acquired from Spain. But now, with the new treaty... That promise was being broken. <laughs> Wait a second. The U.S. government breaking a treaty? You don't That doesn't say. happen. That does, That can't be true. I'm sorry. I'm calling bullshit here. Go research this again and we'll start Yeah, yeah. Let's tweet. start the podcast again. Right take, now. take 10 minutes or so. Go look it up. This is that. that yeah. I'll wait. We'll wait here. Thanks, Chris. Nice try. <laughs> Uh, part of Payne's, the Payne Landing, the Payne's Landing Treaty was that the Seminoles were to move to the Creek Reservation in Arkansas Territory, 
to become part of the Creek Nation, and then to return all runaway slaves to their lawful owners. Uh, some of the older chieftains were okay with this. Some of the older Seminole chiefs were like, all right, that sounds like a good idea. Uh, yeah, I don't believe that for a fucking no, second. They, they were. They, uh, older, the older chieftains were, that sounds good, because if we don't, they'll kill us. But the younger guys, the younger chieftains, were like, this is bullshit. Um, Walk to Arkansas? No thanks. Yeah, yeah. Buddy. Like, uh, you know how far Arkansas is? Yeah, and, and they were supposed to be part of another – like they're – to the white guys are like engines are engines, man. What's the difference? And it's like it's right, a totally yeah, yeah. different yeah, nation, yeah, exactly. culture, and language. I mean, yeah. they're natives, but they're still they're different. Different nations yeah. together. So some of the older chieftains were okay with that, uh, but none of these demands were agreeable to the younger chieftains. So basically, the Seminoles had their own version of boomers, boomer Indians. Like the older guys are okay with all the bullshit. Like <laughs> let's assimilate. It's fine. And the younger guys were like, no. Uh, and one of those young chieftains was named Osceola. Osceola was a half-white, half-Indian, and a member of the Red Sticks, which is a tribe derived from the Cherokees. <clears throat> and the Red Sticks were once uh, they were once attacked and mutilated by Jackson during the War of 1812. And in that attack, Indian children were killed with the butt of rifles, like soldiers would just walk up to them. Slam the butts of rifles into their faces and kill them. And the noses of dead red sticks were lopped off and kept as souvenirs by U.S. troops. So Osceola grew up in that sort of environment. I know, I know that shit's 200 years ago, but it still makes me so insanely fucking mad every time I hear yeah. about it. Um, insane, man. So Osceola tried to tell the Seminole people that it was pretty clear that with the white man... Only Indians' promises must be kept, that only those things agreed to by the Indian must be carried out. And then when the white man breaks their promises, like, man, whatever. Um, he pointed out by... Yeah, hi. We uh, interrupt the episode at the moment uh, because this is the moment where a cricket got into Roger's garage and brought the whole episode to a grinding halt. By the time the U.S. government was trying to force them to sign the new treaty, there was nowhere to go in Florida because all the swamps <laughs> had been infected with whites. Sorry. Hold on a second. I gotta, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Roger's arch nemesis. Motherfucker. <laughs> What's he doing? Roger slowly creeps down the backside of the driveway <laughs> as the cricket hunts him from above. <laughs> you see him crawling on the camera? Dude, yeah, I know, right? He's, he's so mad with his cricket. He's destroying the whole garage right now. Holes in the walls. <laughs> what? Just randomly hitting things. What is he things. doing? I, I know. What is he hitting him with? Like a fucking toilet paper tube? It's like a mallet. <clears throat> I don't know what he's using. He's gonna destroy the place. <laughs> His wife's gonna come in like, what the fuck is that racket? <clears throat> <laughs> Oh my god. Did he just flip over a table? (laughs) Burn down his house. I got you, Cricket. (laughs) Like in the year plus that I lived here and I've been in the garage, I've never heard a fucking cricket cricketing, creaking, whatever you call it. Rubbing its legs. To degree, like that's crazy. It's like I'm outside recording the podcast <laughs> in the woods, I'm camping. <laughs> like I'm camping in the woods with a fucking cricket here. Like the audacity of this cricket. He knows I'm here. I've killed so many of his brethren. Come for his revenge, guy. Sorry, man. You sound like Andrew fucking Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I'll gladly be the Andrew Jackson of fucking crickets. <laughs> tell you that. No, you should know that my reputation precedes me <laughs> as a cricket killer. Yeah, cricket terminator. Yeah. Uh. I I don't know where he is. <laughs> I've looked everywhere here and he's just like he's gonna live in terror for the rest of the podcast <laughs> no he's not he doesn't give a shit about me you, like I'm no, being loud no you I mean you oh, I'm gonna, gonna no I just don't want the fucking the cricket sound like in the background like it's gonna sound weird I don't hear it at all anyway. You don't hear it at oh, all. He's quiet no. until the very end, which is making it funnier because now just you look like a crazy person just I hitting know. the wall for no reason. There's definitely a fucking cricket in here, and I have my trancleta ready to murder him. <laughs> it's ready to go. <laughs> Fuck, I'll get you. You you get him, abuelita. Yeah, get you. It's the last thing I do. God damn it. All right, well let's keep it going because God knows when this guy's gonna start fucking rubbing his stupid legs together. You're a fucking idiot. You're not, there's no other females in here, guy. You're not attracting other crickets. I'm stupid. horny. Let me rub my legs together. Yeah, this is Dade. This fucking Francis Dade. Dade of fucking crickets in here. <laughs> this never happened in here. I've never heard a cricketing sound like that. Whatever that's called. Oh, man. Anyway. Why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> All right, so even though it was one of the worst winters they had suffered and many of them were facing starvation, Osceola convinced most of the Seminoles to resist leaving. Andrew Jackson heard about this, and he wrote the Seminoles a letter where he described himself as their great white father. This fucking oh, Fuck asshole. you! <laughs> These guys are fucking... Shitheads. Here's the letter. Um, <laughs> my children, I am sorry. Oh, right off the bat. God. Just I fuck you. Yeah, I know. I know. That makes you so disgusted. I want to punch my best friend in the face. <laughs> I am sorry to have heard that you have been listening to bad counsel. You know me. And you know that I would not deceive nor advise you to do anything that was unjust or injurious. Open your ears and attend to what I shall now say to you. These are the words of a friend and the words of truth. The white people are settling around you. Your people are poor and hungry. My children... I have never deceived, nor will I ever deceive any of the red people. But I will kill you. <laughs> He's saying it by the droves. He's saying it twice. Like, I'll never lie to you. When someone says, I'll never lie to you more than once in a sentence, it's full of shit. <laughs> Double negative. It means it's positive. <laughs> yeah. I tell you that you must go, and that you will go. Even if you had to, the right to stay, how can you live where you are now? You will soon be in a state of starvation. You will commit depredations upon the property of our citizens. You will be resisted, punished, perhaps killed. You have no right to stay, and you must go. I am desirous that you should go peacefully and voluntarily. You shall be comfortably taken care of and kindly treated on the road. But lest some of you rash, some of your rash young men should forcibly oppose your arrangements for removal, I have ordered a large military force to be sent among you. If you decide not to move, I have then directed the commanding officer, General Wiley Thompson, to remove you by force. This will be done. I pray the Great Spirit, therefore, to incline you to do what is right. Your friend, A. Jackson. Fuck you! <laughs> maybe the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Dude. He just like, the, he's like invoking this like, you know, ma like this manifest fucking yeah. destiny thing, you know. He's, it's literally he what talks it is. To him like I have been trusted with God's word. I'm like, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> the great, the great spirit. 
I pray the great You spirit. are poor. No, they're not. They're not poor just because they don't subscribe to your stupid ass fucking money terms. <laughs> and how will you live in these yeah. lands? Oh, you mean the places that we lived for yeah, fucking we're already living. years? <laughs> Suck my dick, uh, Andrew Jackson. Man. He's like, yes, maybe. <laughs> so I might siege. I might. If you're not careful, I might. <laughs> you keep tempting me, sir. You keep tempting me, see, with uh, the, the thrill of your cock. Your white, pristine, unblemished member. Oh, can't help me. Far you. be it from me to resist such a proposal. <laughs> Jackson's a little horny. Um, so when General Wiley Thompson arrived in Florida in 1834, he called the chiefs together to talk to them about the treaty. The Seminoles informed Wiley that they had no intentions of moving and that they did not feel bound by the Treaty of Payne's Landing. So Wiley wrote to Jackson and requested reinforcements, writing, the Indians, after they had received the annuity, purchased an annually an unusually large quantity of powder and lead. Um, so basically, when, when Wiley got to Florida, he found out that the Indians bought a bunch of weapons after they read Andrew Jackson's letter. And he's like, "What?" Yeah, they, were like, they were like, "Okay, yeah, cool. Yay. Saw that. Um, let's buy all the guns." Right. And then this guy's like, "What? Them. How? How dare they have weapons? Yeah. You called them my children." Yeah, <laughs> this is your trusted friend. <laughs> so Brigadier General Duncan L. Clinch, which was Francis Dade's commanding officer, the guy that massacred the black people at Negro Fort, he, he agreed with Wiley that more troops should be sent to force the Seminoles out. So in March 1835, Wiley called the Seminole chiefs together to reread Jackson's letter to them to remind them that he was... I don't think you fully Let me read it again. what was in this letter. Let me read it to you again. He, uh, They're like, oh, God, here he, we go. Yeah, and he, he's, like, reminding them that he was sent there to remove them by force if they wouldn't move, if they wouldn't leave, as the letter said. The chiefs asked for 30 days to respond. <laughs> like, give us 30 days. Uh, 30 days later, they told Wiley, nope. Not moving. Um, they DiCaprioed Wiley. They're like, we're not fucking leaving. <laughs> we ain't going nowhere. Um, so what happened was, of the eight chiefs, five of them voted no to leave, including Osceola, and another chief named uh, McCanopy. Wiley immediately declared that those five chiefs be removed from their positions. And he also forbid the sale of guns and ammo to Seminoles throughout all Florida. The fucking unearned arrogance of these yeah. dudes to just show up <laughs> and be like, oh yeah, uh, since you didn't agree with us, your ancient ways of <laughs> leadership. Yeah. yeah, just remove your chiefs <laughs> because we We're removing vote. the ones that voted <laughs> against what we want, so now their vote doesn't Yeah. Count. So it's like DeSantis and the Broward County yeah, School Board? Yeah, it's basically the same shit. Yeah, um, exactly. yeah, yeah, exactly the same. So, and then the <laughs> thing was he also, like, no more sales of guns to any Indian ever throughout Florida. That became the new law. So, you know, Wiley's whiny bullshit really made Osceola really mad. And Osceola declared in front of him, quote, I will make the white men red with blood. Love him. And then... Blacken nice. him in the sun and rain, and the buzzards live upon his flesh. He, he, then, really he then turned to Wiley and said, quote, the This country is ours. We do not want any agent. You should get out. Yes. Osceola said this, turned, and walked away and walked out of that meeting. Wiley didn't like that, so he commanded... Osceola be grabbed by several troops. So a bunch of them ran up to Osceola and they, they grabbed him. And Osceola fought back. He sent one guy staggering back and he knocked another one out cold, just fucking cold cocked him and knocked him out. 
Um, but then he was overpowered and dragged back to the fort, and there he was put in chains and irons and locked in a cell. Osceola was released the next day, but while he was out of the picture, a few of the Seminole chiefs were convinced to sign the treaty because they kept saying, if you don't do this, we're going to fucking kill you. Like, we'll do it by force. Um, so Osceola showed up to the meeting where these guys were signing the treaty, and he was watching them sign, and then he stood up. Osceola stood up. He walked up to the document, he pulled out a dagger, and he stabbed the document with a dagger. Yes. He then turned to the other Seminoles, and he said, My brothers... The white people got some of our chiefs to sign a paper to give our lands to them. They did wrong. We must do right. The agent Wiley tells us we must go away from the land which we live on, our homes and our graves of our fathers, and go over to the big river among the bad Indians. When the agent tells me to go from my home, I hate him, because I love my home, and I will not go from it. My brothers, when the great spirit tells me to go with the white man, I go. But he tells me not to go. The white man says I shall go. He will send people to make me go. But I have a rifle, and I have some powder, and I have some lead. I say we must not leave our homes and lands. Wiley replied, I hope you will on the more be on mature reflection like an honest man and not compel me to report you to your father, the president. <laughs> oh, fuck you, Karen Wiley. God. I'm telling. Dude. I'd like to see your manager. How about the that, the, It's literally the entire history of this country is basically, <laughs> I'm going to tell on you and I want to see your manager. Um, so, three months after all this, it appeared that Osceola changed his mind. He showed up to Fort King with his, his, some of his followers, and he told Wiley the Seminoles would, would leave. And Wiley wrote a letter to his quartermaster saying, quote, I now have no doubt of Osceola's sincerity, and as little that the greatest difficulty is surmounted, I have broken the horse. It is time for the apple." He then ordered a handsome $100 silver-mounted rifle, and he gave it to Osceola. So basically, he's like, I've broken the horse. He was this wild horse, and I broke him. So when your horse is tame, you give him an apple. Yeah, yeah. It took me a minute to get that whole, like, horse (laughs) horse jargon. So I'm not, 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 like, I'm not well-versed in (laughs) horse-breaking. Horse talk. It just took me, like, a couple minutes, but thank you. (laughs) This has been horse talk. (laughs) So... (laughs) Join us next week. More horse talk. When Roger learns how to feed a horse a carrot. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, he bought him a rifle, uh, and then Wiley wrote his wife a letter with some satisfaction about what he had done. He's like, I bought this engine a rifle after I broke it, and the <laughs> the wife replied in a letter saying, "Quote." General Wiley Thompson, Osceola will kill you with that gun. (laughs) Hell yeah. Uh, What do you mean, (laughs) pray tell? (laughs) I've been doing an exemplary job (laughs) so far. I do declare. His wife was like, you fucking idiot. You fucking idiot, yeah. (laughs) But I... Never never mind. (laughs) I'll die now. So, six months pass. Um, as Seminoles prepared for their migration, American soldiers began taking black men, women, and children back into slavery. And sometimes they would take away Seminoles whose skin was a little darker than the others. Fuck. Uh, said Chief McCanopy, quote, Every branch that a white man hews from a tree on our soil is a limb lopped from my body. Every drop of water that a white man drinks from our springs is so much blood drawn from my veins. So, in mid-December of 1835, uh, General Clinch and General Wiley Thompson ordered horny boy Francis L. Dade to marshal up some troops <laughs> from the 2nd Artillery, 3rd Artillery, and 4th Infantry Regiments, 110 men in all, and lead them he managed from- to extract them from the Tootsie's VIP <laughs> area. <laughs> <laughs> 
so he was to lead 110 men in all uh, to Tampa, where Dade had been stationed from Tampa over to Fort King, which, as I mentioned, is located in what is now modern Ocala. It was about a 100-mile, five-day trek, and Dade was basically, and his men were basically to deliver supplies and reinforcements to Wiley, who was waiting at the fort. Uh, the terrain, as you can probably imagine, was pretty rough. Uh, there was no I-75 or Florida Turnpike back then. Um, so to help... <laughs> what? So to help with this, to help get through that terrain, Dade would send his slave, a man named Pacheco, ahead of the troops to report back any potential dangers of pitfalls. You know, Indians, bears, panthers, gators, whatever. No, no, there's no alligators in that swamp over here. Pacheco. You guys should yeah, definitely there might be way. alligators over there. Well, let's just send Pacheco. And you're like, he doesn't come back. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, it's all no, no. deer and raccoons and koalas and monkeys. Has and anybody shit. seen Pacheco? I sent him to look at alligators an hour ago. <laughs> um, on the fourth day of the march, Dade sent out Pacheco as usual. And Pacheco came back and reported that he saw and spoke to some Indians. Pacheco told Dade, quote, the inhabitants on hearing of our approach had taken to the swamp and would fight if they're followed. And Dade told Pacheco to send back his own message, quote, our object is to prevent fighting. If you have no cause to regard us other than just friends. And encourage fucking. <laughs> and if you have any women, send them <laughs> our way. Or men. Or alligators. <laughs> or fucking or... alligator, it's fine. Or Panthers. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, he sent Pacheco back. And Pacheco was like, hey, man, we're friends. Don't worry. So Pacheco came back. Everything was fine. Onward they marched. When they had passed the area where Pacheco had said he saw the Indians, and they looked around, and they saw no sign of Seminoles or any other life. It was just empty wilderness. Dade turned to his men and said, quote, we have... Gotten through all the danger. Keep up a good heart. And when we get to Fort King, I'll give you three days for Christmas. There is nothing to worry about. <laughs> Just keep So on. they marched some more. <laughs> and then Dade turned to his men again, and he said, quote, uh, Have a good heart. Our difficulties and dangers are now over. And soon as we arrive at Fort King, you shall have three days rest and keep Christmas gaily. <laughs> We're all going to get late. He's counting his chickens before they hatched over here. Our no. little fucking, fuck, <laughs> fucking horny dick boy. <laughs> yeah, so 20 yards from where this was happening, Chief uh, McCanopy lay, was laying in the tall grass with a rifle in his hand. And another Seminole was laying next to him with his own gun. And just kind of doing recon and watching these guys. Uh, and behind them in the brush were other Seminole warriors hidden behind the trees and the palmettos. And they watched as the troops marched on the path. Uh, McCannopy first spotted six men, and then he spotted an officer. The officer wore a tall black hat with a red plume on it. He had a red sash around his waist and a short sword at his side. Walking along next to that officer's horse was a black man, Pacheco. McCannaby recognized the officer and he said to the other guy, I know him. His name is Dade. So Dade was a fancy boy, dressed nice and fancy. Um, so the Seminoles all pulled back and they moved on ahead of the troops. And the very next day, before dawn, they again laid in the grass and waited for the troops to march on by. A Seminole some of the white men had nicknamed Alligator, was at the front. The first soldier they spotted was a tall man. He was clearly visible ab above the grass. The soldier slowed his horse to a walk. He reached into a satchel and took out a biscuit. Alligator aimed his rifle at this man. The man raised the biscuit to his mouth. Thunderclap shot out across the clearing. The soldier with the biscuit looked down and saw his chest had burst open. The Seminoles heard him cry out, My God! before he fell off his horse. It's an alien! <laughs> uh, as the man hit the ground, the Seminoles emerged from the brush. 
Every man behind a pine stepped out. Each Indian leveled his rifle and fired at the troops. The firecracker noises of gunshots echoed throughout the woods. Alligator aimed at one of the officers and fired. The shot hit the officer in the chest. He leaned up against a tree before falling down dead. All this madness was happening. Horny boy, Francis Dade, spurred his horse, and he ran toward the Seminoles. Pacheco ran behind Dade's horse. He, Pacheco looked back as more shots were coming at them, and then he, Pacheco looked forward again. He saw Francis Dade fall off his horse. Uh-huh. <laughs> Stunned and staring down at the shot-up Dade, Pacheco saw Seminoles emerge from the brush and surround them. So Dade was fucking dead. No more fucking for that guy. <laughs> um, said Pacheco, quote, But please spare my cock somehow with your... <laughs> The science of this time. Is there a way? My cock has seen so much action. My my penis shall remain alive. Put my penis in the Smithsonian. For if I should perish. statues to it. (laughs) Name a county after it. (laughs) Uh, Said Pacheco, quote, They wore, the Indians wore only breech clout and moccasins. Their bodies were painted red, bright, and when they fired, it looked as though lightning flashed along the whole length of the line. Every man of the advance guard fell. Consternation filled the troops. You could see them waver and tremble. I thought I had seen the last day of the world. I laid down behind a pine tree, beating my head against it and praying. Seminoles came to fuck. <laughs> More and more Seminoles emerged from the woods, and they shot at the troops. The infantry was filled with men falling and screaming in pain and terror. Men were sprawled on the ground, clawing at their wounds, fingers squeezing the blood from an arm or a belly or a leg wound. Others staggered and fired their weapons blindly into the woods. All they could see was smoke from the Indians' rifles, and all they could hear were the screams from their own dying men. One of the survivors would eventually go on to write, quote, the shots were as if from a thousand rifles poured in upon us from the front and all along our left flank. I looked around me and it seemed as if I was the only one standing in the night wing. Neither could I, until several other volleys had been fired at us, seen an enemy, and when I did, I could only see their heads peering out from the long grass, far and near, from behind the pine trees. So after the first series of volleys, the Seminoles retreated into the woods. The surviving troops gathered themselves and they began to chop down trees to build a barricade, knowing the Indians would return for another round. And then they began to build a cannon. So meanwhile, back by the road, Pacheco was still laying on the ground with, some, with, with the other dead soldiers. Seminoles passed by, stepping between the bodies and picking up dead men's rifles and swords. A couple of times, Pacheco noticed, uh, was noticed by a Seminole. A Seminole would see him. And one warrior stopped and pointed his gun at him, and Pacheco spoke to him in Seminole and begged for his life. And he explained that he was a slave and he was only doing what he had been told. The warrior put down his gun and moved on. The Seminoles gathered together and debated whether they should go back and finish off the rest of the troops. And many of them said they should not, that they had, the first attack had killed enough of the men. One chief, and this may have been Osceola, <clears throat> he stood up and he said, quote, Are you drunk or sick or women to be afraid of a few white men? Have we forgotten why these soldiers are here? They are here to take our land, our homes, our lives. They will enslave our blacks. They come to round us up like cattle, pigs, put us on their boats, Send us to the Western land. This is our land. We do not come here today to leave it, but to fight for it. Then fight until we kill these soldiers. Let their death carry the message to Washington, to our great white father, that though he may despise us for being Indian, for being Seminole, yet he still must look upon us as men. Go back. Go back and kill them all. (laughs) Awesome. So, <laughs> this is fucking great. So they went back, and when they arrived, they saw that the surviving troops had built a cannon. 
And they fired this cannon at the Seminoles, but not much happened. And the Seminoles mocked the cannon and they were like making noises like poof and like, you know, like weak smoke noises to like make fun of the cannon. Um, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and the captain that Curling. I take, the captain that I'd taken over Dade after Dade died, he stood up and he called out, I can give you no more orders, my lads. Do your best. And then he turned and he, w- he was shot 12 times by the Seminoles. <laughs> you, go, oh, you, go, you go from you go from big old swagger dick Dade to I can't tell you what to do anymore I gotta go oh. <laughs> he fucking gets Oopsie. Um, so Osceola himself was not there during that second wave he had taken a small group of men and he went over to Fort King to where Wiley Thompson was. Uh, So Osceola was waiting in the brush for a long time until Wiley emerged. And when he finally did, Osceola lifted the rifle Wiley Wiley had given him. He aimed and he fired. One shot. (laughs) Wiley jerked back. In the moment before he fell, other shots struck him. His chest burst with bullet holes. The last sound he heard was Osceola's war cry. The two officers that were with Wiley were also shot. Osceola and his men rushed toward the two fallen men. Osceola drew his hunting knife and stabbed Wiley in the chest. Yeah, jeez. He then took that blade. He made a circle on the scalp with a shallow cut, twisted the gray hair with his fingers, and ripped the skin from Wiley's skull. Just fucking scalp him. scalped his ass. Uh, yeah. Lesson there. Listen to the women in your life. <laughs> yeah, and I know a thing or two. Yeah. <laughs> I gave him this gun. I'm sure it'll be fine. He seemed perfectly happy <laughs> listening to us now. And I get scalped. Um, when news spread of the attack, newspapers dubbed it the Dade Massacre. When they heard the news throughout the state. Seminoles began burning down plantations all over the state. In the end, only three of Dade's 110 men had survived. Pacheco was spared, and most of what we know of the Dade massacre came from his testimony. In January of 1836, by an act of General Assembly, a swath of land in South Florida was named Dade County, after Francis L. Dade. And his big old dick. In 1997, it was changed to Miami Dade. In 2002, the Dade County Courthouse was renamed the Major Francis Longhorn Dade County Courthouse by the Board of County Commissioners of Miami Dade. In the resolution changing the courthouse's name, the board noted that it found that, quote, Major Francis Longhorn Dade is a person who made a significant contribution to Miami-Dade County. With his dick. <laughs> With his dick and his racism. Um, Both of which are still here. <laughs> so that is the story of the Dade Massacre. Fuck yeah. Uh, the sources for this episode... Uh, Dade's Last Command by Frank Laumer. History of the Second Seminole War by John K. Mahon. Uh, A People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. And then several clippings from the Sun Sentinel and MiamiHistory.com. I'm going to try something. I'm going to share my screen here. Watch this. If it's possible. See if you guys see this. There's a, here, Major Dade fell. (laughs) It's the Dade Battlefield Historic State Park. And of course, and the fucking thing looks like a dick. dick. (laughs) (laughs) His memorial looks like a boner. (laughs) 
everybody, this is your friend Siege, and on behalf of the guys at Five Reasons Sports, I'd like to thank you for listening to our ridiculousness. You can follow the show on Twitter at FLManMurders, and on Instagram at FloridaManMurdersPod. Follow Chris on Twitter at ByChrisJoseph, and on Instagram at ChrisJoseph13. Give Roger a follow on Twitter at DatRoroKid. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, OnlyFans, whatever, all at Siegeness. Do us a solid and hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating, five stars if you're feeling sassy. Leave us a comment and let us know what mysterious Florida mayhem you'd like to hear us talk about. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, steal a stranger's phone and subscribe for them. The only way this grows is with your help. Love you. Mean it. Bye. The Florida Man Murders is a five-reason sports production. Researched, written, and produced by Chris Joseph. Music by Roger Rimada. All source material can be found by visiting floridamanmurders.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, kids, only assholes murder. So, don't be an asshole.